New Mission Practices Biblical Justice Micah 6, 8 He has showed you, O people, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him, that we should walk in them. The text of the Bible is filled with numerous references to justice and doing good. More than 130 are found, admonishing the pursuit of justice, its application, and the consequences for perverting it. Many passages testify to God's love for justice. Psalm 11.7 says, For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Upright men will see his face. And Psalm 36.5-7 reads, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous quote of, Until justice rolls like water and righteousness like a mighty stream, is a quotation from Amos 5.22, God telling ancient Israel to stop singing songs and giving sacrifices to him if they are unwilling to press into their world and seek goodness and justice. The Bible further testifies that justice is for all, without any reservation. The common understanding of the Bible is that Jesus only went to the poor, to the powerless, to the orphan and the widow, but this is not so. He deeply understood the desperation of those groups, and he opposed those that would deny them justice. But he also met with royal officials, politically powerful members of the Jewish Senate, and Roman centurions who were active in the suppression of the Jewish populace, even chastising the Jewish listeners around him that the centurion had the greatest faith in Israel. He told parables of the rich using their privilege to do good, and also of the poor with only their faith to keep them warm. To say justice is only for some and not for others is to say that injustice is right. Not only is God's desire for justice on display throughout the scriptures, but he also charges his people with its administration in Isaiah 1.17. Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. We must, however, never define justice in any way other than what the Bible prescribes. While voices in the world might be talking about justice and goodness and we find ourselves nodding along, we must guard ourselves from things that might sound like justice, but are only ways of shifting injustice. Following his testing in the wilderness, Jesus returned to Galilee in Luke 4. Entering the town of Nazareth, he walked into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling it, he read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. After finishing his reading, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the temple attendant, and sat down as a hush fell over those listening. Breaking the silence of the synagogue, he declared, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Messiah has come. 
With one sentence, Jesus firmly aligned himself with the work of justice and reconciliation, not only spiritually with the news of the gospel, but also by calling out the injustices he saw. He calls us as his representatives to do the same. Practice. Jesus' life had profound implications for the way Christians live. As the body of Christ, we are called to identify with those whom Jesus identifies. This includes the poor and the needy, widows and the fatherless, marginalized communities, and those being oppressed by bad laws and misrepresentations. Such injustices suppress the glory of God. What would it look like for the church, empowered by the Spirit, to love the world well, to be shaped by Christ's example, to become a spiritual community that extends His love, justice, and righteousness into places of injustice, This is the gospel. This is good news. This is the message of his kingdom. A word of caution. Doing justice flows from an inner work to an outer work. Be aware of the tendency to try to intervene in situations or to reform systems and organizations before you've been formed in Christ-likeness. Often, the best place to begin is with self-examination. The psalmist writes, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Begin by simply asking God to reveal any places in you that impede his work of justice. Then move toward confession, repentance, and forgiveness. Confession is agreeing with God that you've missed the mark. And repentance is the process of moving from unloving to loving actions. The Book of Common Prayer provides a helpful prayer. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Part grief, part hope, Lament is how we take on and hold space for our pain and the pain of others before a God who is infinitely interested in his people. In his book, Adopted for Life, Dr. Russell Moore describes a trip he took to a Russian orphanage when he and his wife were planning to adopt. Expecting to hear crying babies, he instead heard silence. The babies weren't silent because they didn't need anything. They were silent because they'd learned No one cared enough to answer. Children cry when they are confident of the love of a caregiver. For Christians, lament provides an opportunity to sit with God in pain and be secure in his care over us. Here are a few ways you can practice biblical justice with your family and faith community. Doing justice can also extend outward to your community. 
Look for opportunities to feed the hungry and sit on the boards of underserved schools and civic organizations. Ask God to give you eyes to see people who are neglected and marginalized because of their race, social status, age, or gender. And then pray. Pray when an injustice is being done and you see it. And then move forward as the prophet Jeremiah did and seek the peace of your city. Rick Dunn provides the following observation on the practice of biblical justice. I once had the privilege to spend the day with John Perkins, a hero of the faith. Perkins, a black man who grew up in the South, watched his brother murdered by whites. Witnessing the death of racial hatred firsthand, he struggled to accept, love, and value white people. It wasn't long before he was convicted by the Spirit of God to forgive. And now he works tirelessly to bring white and black communities together. He finds his calling in the words of the prophet Amos, let justice roll down like mighty waters. One of my favorite moments with him was when we went to a small Christian college campus that was exclusively white at the time. He began his time speaking to students by saying, today, I can speak so that you like me or I can tell you the truth. And then I watched him tell the truth about the need for racial reconciliation, equality, and justice in America with humility and with grace. Perkins is 90 years old and continues to advocate for justice, particularly in marginalized and impoverished black communities in America. The model of Christian community development came from the heart and life of John Perkins. We see this evidenced in how Wayne Gordon labors in the Lawndale community of Chicago and in how Steve Diggs labors at the Emerald Youth Foundation in our community. I learned from Perkins that justice requires being connected to Jesus first. Then comes the need to possess strength, courage, simplicity, humility, vulnerability, and often the willingness to suffer. One of the things that we've done within the book is we've provided a lot of white space, space to write in the margins and to journal thoughts that you have. At this point, grab a piece of paper or a journal and write down what you've learned, what God has revealed, and what you're thinking about. 